Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast coming to you live from undisclosed location after your Seattle Sounders have won 2019 MLS Cup by three goals to one. It was three goals to one. Didn't even know the last goal happened, Jeremiah. Yeah, it was pretty inconsequential. Uh, I don't blame. I saw it happen. I'll admit, uh, but it was not a particularly like you're up three zero. You give up a goal in the ninety third minute. You'll take that. One hundred percent. I mean, is that does Toronto feel good about that goal in any way? I know. I think like, Josie does. Josie, does does Josie feel like, good about it? He's like going like I, I did score an MLS Cup two I got two MLS Cup goals now. He's like, take that, Fry. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. Got him. So Revenge. Casey, Casey's the other voice that you hear. Obviously, I'm Mark. You, Except you Jeremiah O'Shan. You know who Jeremiah is. Maybe loud and don't. clear. Oh, you take that for granted. I mean, they know you more than they know me. And they know you more than they know more me. So, so here we yeah. go. So, yeah, Casey, you, why don't you – you write, you wrote today's recap. You kind of are – Give us your first thoughts. A tactical writer on Sounder at Heart. Yeah. What did you see today and – you know, I think there's a lot of commentary out there. Maybe not a lot, but there's some commentary out there about how maybe the Sounders weren't the better team. Yeah, I mean, I think what I saw was a tactical battle, and and that one that I think plays into that narrative, and and it's one where if you saw the Sounders play at all, not just in the playoffs, but even in the last few games particularly against San Jose away on the road, which was a bit of a season-defining win, in my opinion. You saw a team that was comfortable without the ball. Not necessarily one that was wanted to not have the ball, but, but one that was perfectly fine to absorb pressure. And, and with how good their lines of four were um, when they defended and how well Rui Diaz and Ladero track back and back press it was like well you can have it and good luck breaking us down and we have too many good players who are fast and have quality going forward for you to keep us off the score sheet for an entire match and I thought that that showed through today how much does it end up hurting like seeing the way this match played out how much does it end up hurting Toronto that Altidore did not play until like, I don't know, he came in, like, what, the 80... It was already 2-0, I want to say, when he came in. If it wasn't 3... Maybe it was even 3-0. Yeah, I don't think it hurt them enough to say they would, you know, for sure for sure win without him. And actually, Greg Vanny made this point a little bit in his press conference, which is that, yes, they got the goal from Altidore off a header, and that, that just doesn't happen if he's not in the game. So that's an element. But you also saw Toronto lose control of the game... Um, without Pozuelo as the false nine dropping in, helping them gain possession. So to say they were definitively better after Altidore came on the field, maybe he's not 100% fit, but still, you know, the Sounders beat them earlier in the year with Altidore. I, I just don't think Toronto had as much talent, to be honest. And uh, I'll throw this in there, is that for whatever you thought of the first, whatever, 65 minutes, the once Victor Rodriguez came on, I don't know how you could watch those last 25 minutes and think the Sounders didn't weren't the better team for the last MLS Cup I don't even, MVP I don't know when Victor Rodriguez. Huh? MLS Cup MVP Victor Rodriguez. Yeah. That's his name and for the rest of his life. Right. And I don't know that and I, I didn't vote for Victor Rodriguez to be man of the match. I voted or for MVP. I voted for Gustav Svensson cuz I thought Svensson was a fucking monster. We'll get to that later. The language. But uh, I mean I, I just don't see how you can Talk yourself into thinking, well, 
TFC was better, would have won with Altidore, but then the Sounders looked so good once Rodriguez came on. Oh, and absolutely, and I think if you look at the matchup um, as who had the better counterpunch, right? So Toronto comes out and they keep possession, but they had guys on the bench in Altidore and De Leon who can individually change a match, whereas Sounders don't have that much of the ball, but they have a guy in Victor who can get on the ball late in the match and change change the way the team is playing. The Sounders counterpunch, or the way their subs change the match, was so much more effective than the way Toronto's changed the match that I think, as a whole, they would deserve to win. 100%. Does that have more to do with plan A not working, meaning Joven Jones? Well, that's a, that's a super good question, and I think, you know, Schmetzer addressed after the game as well that they, they didn't think they played that well in the first half. But they didn't get scored on. And, so and they had the better chances. They had the better chances. And Toronto was good uh, in the first half, I think, to be fair. But part of having Jones in the game is that you have a winger who's going to, even if he's not getting a ton of tackles, be like pretty tactically astute and wear his position and be able to cover a ton of ground and make it so that even if you have 35% possession, the chances of you getting scored on aren't that high. So... It didn't totally work, but I think Jones did his job in the sense that he kept... He was, in my opinion, part of the reason Toronto's off the board. Even if he doesn't have a good game, he helps the team defensively. What did you think of him going to left back? I was surprised by that substitution. I thought he was coming off and Smith uh, would stay in. But. You know, it was one of the things where I, I was surprised, but then I realized that they've done that like a bunch of times, and so I shouldn't have yeah. been surprised. It does. Uh, it speaks to Schmetzer's trust in Jones, Jones. defensively, exactly. Because right? I think, yeah, he ended up having a better last thirty minutes of the game than his first sixty. That's he, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my complaint all along, and I think the common complaint of Jones is not that he's a bad player, and I think he was actually pretty good down the stretch. It's that he's a little too nonchalant with the ball, especially in possession in his own end, where it's like he tries to dribble out of positions where it's like just kick the ball away like why are you why are we doing what are we yeah there was that time in the first half where he got dispossessed twice in his own 18 one of them could have been a toronto goal yeah yeah well it was the same play he got this yeah yeah he won the ball got dispossessed and won the ball back Uh. and then got dispossessed again but (laughs) yeah i mean that said i i thought jones was okay i i definitely feel better about him next season than i think we've any of us felt a couple months ago um but you know what i wanted to ask you casey and this is one of the things that i've always kind of i felt like the national punditry gets wrong is that they keep saying the sounders sit in these two blocks of four and just kind of absorb pressure and they aren't really like as if like they're just sitting in a bunker and then they're waiting for their opportunities I don't, and I, and I, and I guess what my the thing I I I push back against is not that they aren't set up well defensively, and then it's that they're constantly looking for to push the ball. They're not just sitting and waiting for a set piece or sitting and waiting to like put Raúl over the top. They're looking at the channel. They're constantly yeah. pushing the ball up the wings and looking to create uh, out of every like every time they get the ball. So I, I think one thing that gets missed when you talk about if a team is counterattacking or, or even if they're not proactive, the Sounders have a lot of speed, right? So you could easily look at that and say, 
okay, they get the ball, they kick it to Morris or maybe Rui Diaz, and they score, and there's that's it. But the Sounders have a lot of speed, but they have a ton of quality. And they throw more numbers forward than a team normally would if they're quote-unquote counterattacking in the sense that as soon as they win the ball, it's not just Morris. It's not just Rui Diaz. It's not one or two guys who hang high. It's, um, you know, Smith is going to get going full right. board. Leardom's going to get going full that board. The first goal comes from Leardom. Like, whether or not it was a great it's, goal. It's sixth goal of the campaign, if yes, I'm not mistaken. It, yes, that's right. Yeah, he had his first in the playoffs, and he had five goals of the regular season. Right. So, even though they did sit fairly deep, I don't think it was as regressive as, as people think in the sense that they took they take massive chances sending their fullbacks forward. And I think there are other counterattacking teams that do not send nearly as, as many numbers forward. And when they do go, it's not one player. There's very dynamic interchange in those quick moments with Smith overlapping, with Firdam overlapping. So I, I think that there is a level of quality to what they did that you can call them a counterattacking team, but you can't say they didn't have quality going forward, which I think is a really important distinction. We're nine minutes and 21 seconds into this podcast, and nobody said Gustav Svensson's name yet. Uh, Jeremiah, oh, talk about him. Okay, well, so he's my – he was the guy who I voted man of the match. He had eight tackles, three interceptions, and was just everywhere. He had two assists. He had yep. two assists. And that last pass And the last pass, like, was it's incredible. Like a, yeah, he, he set up uh, – he had the primary assist on Rule Rui Diaz's goal. He basically – I don't know if it was a clearance or if it was a pass, but either way, it was – very impressive. He had the tackle, I want to say, that set up both goals. And he was just every. I mean, he was everywhere. He was he was on his own 18. He was on top of the, the Sounders 18. Or he was on top of the TFC 18. He was just everywhere. Eight and tackles? He had eight tackles. Or no, no. He, yeah, eight tackles. He had eight tackles. And That's the yeah. it's, it's you know, you, you And I think back to 2017, and one of the things that I remember talking about in 2017 was, and this is the same midfield pairing, Roldan and and Svensson as is in that game. Who got overrun? To be fair, who they absolutely got overrun. And I remember what I felt thinking from that is maybe Svensson, for all of his quality, maybe he's a little too slow. Maybe he's not a match winner in that position. He was the match winner today. I he, think. he was a match winner today. And what did Michael Bradley do all game? I thought Bradley had a good game, to be fair. Well, uh, whatever. I think he <laughs> very different players. I, yeah, they're different players. I think Bradley was the reason why TFC had so much possession. He he was shadowing Jordan okay. Morris's side. It's why Jordan had such a quiet game, quite that's frankly. Really, that's a really interesting uh, point. And if he wasn't the player making the tackle to gain possession back, he was the first player getting the ball and moving the ball forward. So I'm not a fan of Michael Bradley, but he had a really good game. Fine. It doesn't matter because he didn't. He, <laughs> he didn't, didn't win, <laughs> and he doesn't get his bonus. So, <laughs> Gustav Svensson is a fascinating player for me personally. He's one that I've not always had the most faith in, and it, I always refrain from you know hot takes in my tactics articles. But sometimes, if you're reading in between the lines, I've thrown mild shade in his <laughs> direction before. It's pretty and mild then, because I don't think I've ever he's very up. mild. When I throw shade. And he threw mild shade at you today. He threw, if, if that performance was directed at me, RIP, right. RIP me. Right. Listen, he was, he was, 
not just extremely good today, but extremely good particularly over the second half of the season. There's a few things that he does super well. One, when you talk about the Sounders being a counter team, when they do get forward, he actually pushes fairly high, not necessarily to help the team in attack, but to keep the pressure up high. And the Sounders And that's what he did, and both the first two goals were plays like that where right. he was pressing high, not to create possession, but to basically thwart the breakout. Exactly. The second goal, I mean, is, is just textbook, and he completes actually a pretty good pass through lines to Ladero, yeah. who lays it off to uh, Rodriguez for the goal. So what Svensson brought to this team, I actually think was accentuated. I think he became better when the Sounders moved a little bit away from being a possession team because my frustration with Svensson at times is that he's not that good in tight spaces in possession. Yeah. He gets stripped from time to time, what, whatever, whatever. He's not going to dribble. He's not going to break lines with his dribble. No, exactly. He's not going to Alonzo his way out of pressure, spin out, play forward. But if you're not asking him to start the play or be the fulcrum of the attack or, or be a possession-oriented player, who's going to cover more ground maybe not literally but if you combine his intelligence with where he is positionally basically who's going to do more work for you defensively in the entire league than Gustav Svensson and I think that's a massive part of their success very also a very underrated aspect of his game didn't necessarily see a lot of it today but his ability to switch the point of attack yeah we didn't we haven't had I feel like we haven't seen that a lot like that's for a long time was the probably the best part of his game at least in my perception and we they haven't really used that aspect of it as much and I guess because they found themselves in that's more of a tactic that you use when you're possessing the ball they, a ton. he had one pass out to Kelvin Lerdam today in the first half right that, but it's not like he, I've yeah. used him like spraying four or five of those yeah and yeah yeah and in that sense he's 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 been in good good in possession in that sense that he can switch the point of attack and he can find these bigger balls but when he's high-pressed in a situation like that, he might not offer as much, but it doesn't matter in this system. So, the sound just really, I wanted to, and we probably, I guess, should look at some big-picture stuff. But I wanted to ask we'll get Casey, we, especially since we, we kind of talked about this. Uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, in the car ride over. Uh where the, where, our, where our Lyft driver took us basically to West Seattle when we needed to go to yeah. somewhere else. But one of the, we talked about this idea that the Sounders started this season as a possession team and as a team that was, frankly, LAFC-esque in the way that they were dominating the ball, scoring tons of goals, and it seemed like this was like a glorious, uh, like, Zion, you know, like this was, we've reached the promised land of what we hoped the Sounders would be. They... They're going to play beautiful soccer. They're going to kind of do this, like, they're going to drop their defensive mid into the central, central, yeah, into a central a center back. And Svensson was going to, you're going to have your wingers flying up the field. It's going to be beautiful soccer. It didn't turn out that way. Like, right. from game six on, basically, they completely abandoned that whole system. But what we saw for the last couple months was a team that was happy to. Maybe not purposefully seed possession, but they were happy to trade possession for attacking opportunities. Yeah, like is the that Portland a way game. That they can, like, is this That's any, a turning point to me? Yeah, sorry. Is that? But is it sustainable? So, in my opinion, 
the Sounders don't win this trophy if they don't establish themselves as a good possession team early in the year. And you saw Portland, who I think played on the back foot for a longer of the 2018 season than the Sounders did in 2019. And eventually their luck ran out when they played a Toronto team who also, or excuse me, an Atlanta team who also sat back a little and then countered them. And my point is, if Toronto would have sat deep, I think the Sounders were well-versed enough in breaking down a bunker from their earlier time in the year, and they maybe would have needed Victor later in the game to make it happen, that it wouldn't have worked for Toronto. And so by establishing themselves as a team that could break somebody down in a bunker early in the season, and then a team that could play on the counter later in the season, they were extremely well-balanced. And I think that that's a massive... Uh, factor in in their playoff run. So essentially, no, I don't think you can play on the <laughs> on the counter for an entire season. So the Sounders aren't lifting the 2019 MLS Cup without Victor Rodriguez's substitute appearance. I yeah I I, I think, and to me it's so funny because like it was I want to say like a month ago maybe it was maybe it was six weeks ago but it was recently. We were having an open conversation in the Center Heart Slack room about how, well, we were like, well, who's coming back? Everyone. Victor Rodriguez, no way. Mark Kastner. At this, no, yeah. No way. I'll say, I'll say with Roman Torres and Victor Rodriguez, I thought there were no yeah. way those two players are coming back. And I was my contention at the time was if you can bring them back at the right number, why wouldn't you bring them back? But now I feel like... He might be worth bringing back at the wrong number. <laughs> like, like if I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, it's like fascinating. And and like, I heard the way that that Garth Lagerway Lagerway was talking about Victor in the post game today. He was talking about this guy who here's a player who has started every. He's been a, a regular starter in La Liga. He was a regular starter whenever he was healthy with the Sounders. All of a sudden, he's on the last year of his contract. We tell him, you're not the starter anymore. We need you to do what you can off the bench. And instead of throwing a fit, he does exactly whatever he can do to be a contributing player. And it's like, I don't know what his future holds, but man, I really hope, even if it's like, even if it's a million dollars a year, I want him back. Like, I think he's, like, as long as you don't feel like you have to have him starting, he's so useful and he's, especially the way that he can change your tempo. He can take you from a possession team or from a, a counterattacking team to a possession team that's still dangerous. He And that, that goal, how many times have we seen him take that shot this year? You, Casey, tell us, like, give us your, I, I talked about that today. I want you to put it in your words because it was a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, I was saying if you were going to make a movie about the Sounders season, you would want to make sure you put Victor missing five to ten shots where he <laughs> cut in from the left onto his right foot and then curled it past the far post just so that in the final act in the MLS Cup, him bending it in the near in the uh, on the inside of the far post would be the perfect exclamation point to his journey because. That's been his move all year. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, for the entire time he's been with the Sounders, he is so dangerous cutting in from the left to his right, shooting far post. But it hasn't always come to fruition. I think he scored a goal against it. Chicago like that or earlier no, this I year. No. Yeah. He scored some nasty goals against Chicago aside. <laughs> Wait, didn't he pirouette somebody into the box? And he, then did, he, he posterized Bastion Swinesegger and drew a penalty. That's right. So 
do we underappreciate Nicholas Sodero? Do we not do we, mention him at all at this do point? We not, and he might be the MVP of the game. Like, for sure. Is is he not the best sounder in the history of the team? Oh, for me he is. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mean it's well, Ozzy. That's really it's 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 tough, but Ladero's got more now. Yeah, as, I mean transformation. I mean he was transformational in a way that is hard to even like imagine. Like, where is this team? If he doesn't join this team in 2016, what happens the last four years? Yeah. Like, are they? I, I mean, a lot of teams have have tried to sign transformational tens to varying degrees of success. Yeah. There have been some really good ones. Uh, Maxi Morales this year, very good. Pizuelo, he played as a false nine, whatever. Very good. But none of them, I can't think of a number 10 who is as good on the ball as Ladero and works as hard as Ladero. And he makes it impossible to game plan because he moves so much. Unlike any of these, no one moves like him. No one covers as much ground as him. No one is willing to, like, come all the way back into possession, defend all the way back. But then if, if that's not working, to stay high and play as, like, almost like a regista. And nobody gets kicked like him. Yeah, I mean, he spent he, a lot of time on the ground. Lot, to, yeah, but, but also <laughs> he he led the league in fouls by like thirty fouls. That's a good point. So well, and, and he and he does and he has since he's come into the league. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think that's part and parcel of his workmanlike mentality, in the sense that a lot of number tens would like to float around and pick up balls in pocket of space and not really get touched. Right. And. To, he very intentionally, in my opinion, puts his body in between yes. the ball and the guy yes, to absolutely. get fouled. Yeah, he, d- yes, he has yes. that move where he just kind of... It's like a patented move. He, like, falls on top of the ball after getting knocked over. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that people are coming into games to foul Ladero any more than they're coming into games to foul Valeri or... You know, any other number 10, it's just the way that he plays, he doesn't mind the contact. And yeah. he'll just grind it out, which is a part of his general personality. And it, and him getting fouled helps the Sounders so much oh, because, yeah. like, there was it relieves a, pressure immediately. Yeah, like yeah. Every, it's, like the, it's like the way the Sounders relieve pressure is by, like, getting fouled. Nico getting a foul. Yeah. Well, and actually, um, an underrated part of the game today, Rui Diaz got murdered through the back twice early yes. in the game. And yeah. his strength in hold-up play, oh, my, particularly really, really for his size, I don't even understand. So I mean, 20, he's another player we managed to not talk 20, about. 22 minutes and 51 seconds, and we're just mentioning Raul Rui Diaz. Yeah, I mean, his <laughs> he's so he's he's so good. He's so good. He's now he's tied for the Sounders' lead. He's got seven goals in six playoff games. That's uh, Hold on, let me do the math. That's a lot. It's a lot. I did the math. He's another player like Ladero. When you're most, some of your most creative, technical, flamboyant players are the ones who put in as much work as these guys or are willing to track back or willing to get kicked, it just makes your team very hard to beat, for lack of a better term. It's almost yeah. like they uh, did that on purpose. I mean, it does, yeah. it does, it does seem sound like way. there was a plan there. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, I, and, and I think also in investing a lot of TAM money in defenders before that was really a trend. Right. And in a lot of yeah. – I don't think they're doing it to be a defensive team, but just to be – we're For, not about – Yeah, the entire back line that started 
for TAM players. Yeah. Yeah. How many TAM? That's a great point. With the massive one on the bench. Yeah. It was actually a DP on the bench. Right. How many teams in MLS history have started four TAM players across the back four? That weren't the Galaxy and also terrible. I mean, right. even the ga- <laughs> yeah, even the yeah. good Galaxy teams didn't have ta- they, like they, yeah, yeah. they didn't have TAM yeah. players on the Dab, back line. Dave Romney so, starting. Let's see. <laughs> Thirty games. Eighteen. Atlanta had two. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's yeah. it's it's a remarkable thing that they've built here, and you know, Lagerway said this after the game, and he kind of said it matter of factly. He said, "This is the best Sounder team we've ever had." This was the mature part of our cycle. Right. This is basically what we needed to do here. And I guess for both of you, I'm curious what you're thinking on this is. Is that on one hand, do you think it's the best Sounders team? And on the other hand, when he says it's the mature part of our cycle, does that mean we've got a couple more years of these guys? Or do you think they're like, because I know like a month ago, we all thought this was a big year of change. So I, I still think. It, in a lot of ways, winning the cup makes those changes easier. Like Just, it's easier to s- lose a bunch of players, or not? I don't think they'll not lose a lose. bunch. So I went into the playoffs and like when Dallas equalized in the first round, and you walked away. I w- yeah, I walked into the bathroom, in the bathroom and I screamed. <laughs> uh, that it's actually happened. Uh, I thought there could be upwards of thirteen players that would be gone off of this roster. Now I think it's probably closer to six, maybe seven, pushing it. So I think players like Roman Torres and Victor Rodriguez earn their spot on next year's roster with how they played in the playoffs. Um, but to go back to your first question, it's I think it's really easy to uh, look back at 2014 and say that's the best Sounders team ever just because of how fun it was. But Lamar Nagel scored nine goals on that team, nine or ten and goals. he started like 34 games. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Chad Barrett. Yeah, probably. Chad Barrett scored seven goals that year between the cup, Open Cup and regular season. Zach Scott was a starter. Uh, so on a, talent, on a talent basis, of course this is the best team ever. Is it the most fun we've ever had? No. It's no, not, <laughs> not at all. It was no, th- and maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, but this year was very difficult. So, Casey. <laughs> yeah, well, th- when you talk about best Sounders team, it becomes very complicated because you're in a league that has invested so much more yeah. money year after That's year. A, a yeah, really and like point. in five years, it's a completely different league than it was. Right. And so, if you're going on talent, I'm sorry. In my opinion, this team would have smashed the 2014 team. You don't have to apologize for that. um, But was the 2014 team better relative to to the league? That's a more complicated question. I would actually still answer no. And I'm glad I'm on this podcast right now. Because this is something (laughs) I've been trying to get off my chest for a long time. But I've never had the avenue for it. You know, you know, you have like the password to sound your heart, right? And That's you can like right. I can write. Yeah. Whenever I want. Yeah. I'm so. afraid. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a scared person. I, I worry do, about. Do you what see some of the stuff we eat. put up? Yeah, put up there. Good point. You know, so. but I've I've had a beer, and it's time for me to say, <laughs> one single beer for my small frame is enough. <laughs> it, it is time for me to say. I thought the 2014 team was fundamentally flawed because they oh, did yeah. not play with enough width. 
and it was like so much Dempsey and Martin's comboing. They also one. gave up like 50 goals. They gave up a yeah. ton of goals. A lot. This is a lot of goals. And Chad Marshall still won sound. Defender of the Year, which was weird. But I just but felt like whatever. that was a team you could game plan for in the playoffs and say we are going to restrict the middle of the field. That's what the Galaxy did. And who's going to beat us from a wide position? Because you have Nagel. He's likes to duck in. And, and Marco really Papa was the other forward. wing. Marco Papa is not giving you any natural width. Amazing player, loved him, but he wasn't going to hug the touchline. And you didn't have fullbacks, even though Yedlin was very fast. They just didn't play in that same way where he's getting up, delivering 5-10 crosses a game. Who was there? Was Leo Gonzalez the left back? Yeah, the team? and Mark yeah. Birch. And he's not he's not getting forward. So, Or wait, Dylan Remick, not Mark Birch. Well, Dylan Remick and Leo Gonzalez, neither one of which were going to provide any. Neither one of them are in the league anymore. So, yeah, so all that's to say, you won the Jeez. supporter shield, Sorry, but Dylan. I always felt like if you wanted to lock that team down, you could, and I thought the Galaxy did, whereas the reason to me this is the best team is because you could play in so many different ways. And you have, so I got to shout out my guy, of course, Harry Ship. no minutes. But if the Jeez, Sounders... Jeez, like Harry played? Like, when you're not playing Harry Ship, that's a, a good, in your winning MLS Cup, that's a pretty good sign, right? Right. It's and decent, that, yeah. That, People have it is, it is kind of weird game. how he didn't play like the last eight games. But uh, to but me, that's whatever. because the Sounders. Yeah. DC went was with the last game that he played. Identity. They right. said we're gonna and and Harry's not gonna help you on the counter in essentially any way, shape, or form. So, but if you want to break down a bunker, and have someone you can pass in tight spaces, he was a useful player to have on the mind. game day roster. Yeah. Yes. And, and and for as much trouble as the Sounders had this year in the middle of the season. I actually think they don't get enough credit for treading water in I've, the midst I, of I, I agree. terrible circumstances. And I think a lot of that comes down to guys like Ship. And Saad um, Abdul Salam. Saad Abdul Salam. Johnny Campbell. Right. You knew who. Knew who. Um, you can go Jordy Dilem. Jordy Dilem, who, who, who actually had, was massive an, in this run. Had an insane tackle today uh, yeah. when it was still 2-0. Well, and Jordy Lem's the the opposite, but the same as Ship in that, uh, depending on the style you want to play, extremely useful player. Is he going to help you in possession? Not really. But right. is he going to cover a, an insane amount of ground and win a lot of duels? Well, For I, sure. And I want to piggyback on, on this idea, or I want to give my own opinion of this best team. And I think it's a complicated question because you look at 2014, and that was also like – for all that the Sounders did, it was also a team that didn't lose very many key players for large portions of the season. And this is something that I think about a lot with LAFC. And I Absolutely. was originally reluctant to... Like, I heard someone say on... I think it was Susanna Collins on Extra Time Radio. She said like... Or, well, uh, she has her own podcast, was it? It was on Extra Time Radio. Okay. But she does have her own podcast, you're right. But she said something along the lines like, "Like I'm not really convinced that LAFC was the best team this year because the con- or the best team ever because the competition level was lower." And at first, I was like, "What are you talking about? The competition has never been higher." But I think, and maybe I'm my read on that was they took advantage of a year where a lot of teams were heavily depleted. By international call-ups, especially the Sounders. Absolutely. Every international window had eight players at least ten called in the away. summer. They had as many as ten called away. Sometimes the Sounders dealt with all these injuries, 
And so I guess this is my roundabout way of saying that it's like if you just look at the Sounders when they were at their best, like their top 16 players on the roster, I think, are probably their almost undeniably, maybe it's the best roster from top to bottom. But I think if you look at their top 16 and you compare that to any team in the league, LAFC, New York City FC, whoever you want, I think the Orlando. Sounders... Orlando. I was just. Oh, yeah, Orlando. Since gotta watch out for. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think it, it ranks like I think if you are able to look at the games where they had their starters available, they were as good as anyone. And so I do think that from that perspective, now it's another question: like, is this the best way to build a roster? If the sacrifice is you're going to lose a bunch of regular season games because you don't always have your best team, or are you going to have your best team in the playoffs? I mean, right now, if you're asking me, uh, sorry, if you're asking me right now, whose season would I rather have, LAFCs or the Sounders? Give me the fucking Sounders. Yeah, because there's only one trophy that gets the star above the crest. There's only I, one team that has a parade. Yeah. Like it was just the the, the, well, the hardest season emotionally that I've ever gone through as a Sounder. Maybe uh, maybe next to 2013, but it was like a brutal ride. But here we are. The last month has just been the most fun month the Sounders have ever had. So. That's something I kind of want to talk about as we wind down this episode. Um, and there'll be many more episodes to dissect everything that's happened. We've got to have Casey on more often. Yeah, Love we it. should. Yeah. Uh, I'll make a note of that. We'll talk to our people. Yeah. Uh, talk to his agent. We'll talk to the production staff. Uh, me. <laughs> um, and Jeremiah, you're probably the perfect person to start with this season. Oh, uh, what's your sure. what's your proudest moment <laughs> this year? Because I know you and I have talked a lot about how difficult it's been to cover this team. One, because like you have no idea at times this season, you have no idea what to say about this team. But two, yeah, there's been I would say there is more post game pontification columns that I had to write this year where I was like, I have no idea what yeah. I want to say. And two, there was so much emotional baggage with this team this year because of um, mostly the iron front stuff the the mid-season mid-season dip yeah it was like the iron front it was it was not i don't think there was any one thing that made it hard it was that it was all happening at the same time you know like the iron front stuff was happening while the team was kind of in a bad place and if you actually look at the results that they the bad results that they got where they actually had their whole team they were all during that same kind of like window of time and because I actually, I w- I'm with you, Casey. I actually think they did a pretty good job of treading water, like early in the summer. Um, so the proudest moment was, you know, probably the way that they reacted in the home, the road, game, the road game against Portland. Yeah, the two-one where they won the Cascadia Cup. Where I think that was a game where the season very easily could have gone one way or the other, and they had only won like one of six games or something along those lines. They hadn't won since they beat Atlanta like two, a m- yeah, like almost two months earlier. Right. And they were just not they just weren't looking like a team that was going to go on any sort of run and I think that there were two ways they probably could have responded to that whole situation. That was also when the Iron Front thing was kind of coming to a head. Yeah, at, at the Portland game, that's when they had the 33 minutes right. of silence. And I I was just very happy with the way that they 
came out of it. I thought they played with a lot of like heart and energy and you know, I think it was also kind of the game where Jordan Morris started to emerge as Oh a yeah, he he roasted Valentine in that game. Yeah. My uh, favorite memory from that game specifically, and I'd probably agree with you that 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 game in particular is what like gave me gave me the hope to get through the end of the season. Uh was after the after Brian Spencer's press scrum outside of the locker room. Um, there's a lot of media there, and the way the Portland locker rooms are set up, the the team has a locker room on one side of the hallway, and the coaches have the locker room on the other side of the hallway. And people were blocking. After the scrum, Brian was trying to get back into uh, the coach's locker room. And he just very politely says um, to a couple of reporters, like, excuse me, I have a beer waiting for me. And I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> he like paused and looked around, kind of like just quintessential Brian Smetzer. Um, yeah. And and today, seeing I like it, it feels cliche to say like my proudest moment is when they lift the cup, but w- my proudest moment is seeing Brian Smetzer, who is somebody that I've criticized this season in particular, and uh, I'm now eating my crow roasted and and de-feathered um (laughs) but just just seeing him just standing off to the side and letting his team celebrate it's never about him um and it's it's there's a lot of coaches in this league there's a lot of coaches around the world um one of them who a lot of people consider the best in the world uh pep guardiola who, who makes it all about himself but brian is is completely happy to uh, Some Liverpool showing too. No, yeah, I had to. The second most important game of, of the day. Um, I think Brian is just—he's kind of silenced his doubters. Casey, do you have a favorite moment this year? So I'm gonna piggyback on the silencing the doubters theme, and I'm gonna say the RSL playoff match for a few re- basically because it silenced me, not. Again, I don't really post very hot takes, but in my head, I had a lot of angry hot takes. About <laughs> After the Dallas game, much the well, actually, even the Portland game we won. I was like, okay, we won, but that was pretty ugly, and I don't love watching this team not have possession and play on the counter. And the RSL game was the first time where I admitted I'm wrong about this and the sounders are doing it in a way that is fun they're creating a lot of chances it's on purpose it's extremely well executed that they still send numbers forward and i just have to give uh schmetzer basically a ton of credit for doing what i would not have done uh right and yeah i mean yeah i i just want to like one of the, I, I just can't help but think about this. And the thing about Schmetzer, like, how many coaches could get away with playing for like, the last two months of the season where you get 40% of, 40% or less of possession and you win an MLS Cup? Like, how many coaches how many opposing coaches well, I think just kept had, walking into his trap i said it's like yeah i mean like every coach that he faced was like we're just gonna kick happen again <laughs> again i think i think like part of the context to that is 
a lot. I think a lot of coaches could get away with that, but with as much talent as Seattle has and as good as they're supposed to be, I don't think I don't think very many coaches have the balls to play like that. Yeah, I so. mean, uh, it's just like I just can't. I just kind of wonder if like Greg Vanny was sitting there like. Oh, if he wants to let us have 65% of the possession, let him. We'll, we'll, they were we'll so wasteful, Toronto. They were so wasteful. Yeah. There were so many opportunities where they could have gotten shots off, and they just didn't. I don't know. I just read, I'm looking at this. I haven't read the story yet, but there's a story on on Yahoo Sports. Here, says, here's the segment ti- of the podcast where Jeremiah just reads to us his Twitter timeline. Three line. times has, out, has, out, has TFC outplayed Seattle in an MLS Cup. See, that's where... The, and there's only agree. one trophy to show for it. And it's like, give me a fucking break. Give me a fucking I just, break. How could you say that a team who just beat LAFC 3-1 to one the same way... Right. That that's what I'm accident. saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. So... I don't got time and, for that. And... Before people blow up the comments or whatever people do these days about we always knew the team needed more speed and this is what we always wanted, let me just say again. I love that you anticipated that. I don't think that's where people were going to go. but I've read a lot of comments. <laughs> Maybe over, you're right. You know, Pacey Winger. Casey's feeling yeah, himself. No, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. I, <laughs> this I'm, team, despite playing on the counter, had a ton of quality. And there's just a different, like, and... Another proud point of the season is how good Morris got, right? Like, he's not just a kick-and-run player. Right. He's breaking people down off the dribble. And Jones is fast, but he's actually super good in possession and makes little subtle – his pass to Ladero that he gets the assist on, the weight is just right of that pass. The angle is just right. Uh, The first goal today, he plays Rui Diaz, an extremely similar ball where the weight and the angle is right. Rui Diaz turns, plays Leardham, and they score – like, this team got on the counter but actually played with a ton of quality. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next year, I guess. As we're going to close out I here, that. Uh, Casey literally just dropped his mic. My Wa- podcast personality Wa- is very different than my writing. Walked away. We've all so had a good. long day. We're all kind of emotionally bare, and uh, that was great. Uh, I'm going to go to each of you, and you're going to give me one word to describe today and then we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye so jeremiah I, i'm ecstatic i'm so happy i'm 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 so happy for for victor like when victor the first real emotion said I felt one in word game, but he's saying a lot more than i that. said ecstatic <laughs> ecstatic but okay but keep going oh, i just okay. wanted to i just wanted I to get so, a dig like, on you. the first real emotion like when victor scored like i felt like some actual Emotion, and it wasn't just that. Like I realized the Sounders were going to win MLS Cup, although that was a big part of it. It was also like a genuine hat. Like I was so happy for Victor to get that goal. He has been such a good like team guy, and he's been. Yeah. I, I love his story. I, there's I love a his lot personality. Of, there's a lot of players in the Sounders history that have been in similar positions as Victor, and I'm not going to name names, but everybody's got a one name that pops into mind and there's probably there's probably 15 different players that fill this role uh and that handled the same situation so poorly and i think victor for all of his flaws and i think he's even aware that he has many he he's got one real flaw yeah (laughs) which uh i yeah maybe it's just one flaw and it's his hamstring but right but anyway (laughs) Yeah, like, 
you couldn't you couldn't write the write the movie script like Casey was talking about any better no. than having Victor Rodriguez be the player who he is. Oh. Casey, you have one word for me. My word is squad. Oh, oh that's man, good. that's good. My that's word good. is squad because it has a certain amount of swagger attached to yeah, it. Yeah, you're, you're good. out with your friends. You're gonna squad up, whatever, whatever. Good, good and one. I think the Sounders He's played. The- with that level of, of swagger. That Where, how have we never had this guy on the podcast before? I don't know. We've only done like 15 of these, so. And most of them were this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. Uh, squad, they played with the swagger. Schmetzer said in his press conference, they don't play with any fear. But also squad because this team's strength was in their depth. It was in their ability to throw different looks at you at different times change the game plan halfway through the season or halfway through the game I, I, and you I can't know it's stop so it good. and give credit to Garth Lagerway who also receives a lot of hate for saying I'm going to fill out talks the funny. middle of the roster instead of investing just in the top end and end up like it's a not a strategy right it is a strategy I know but that's what's so funny but is that it, like people act it's, like it's right. not a strategy right. like it's just being cheap right yeah we're cheap because we're not signing Bradley to a $7 million, whatever he makes. And it's like his model of filling out the middle of the roster has made the Sounders, if not a regular season. They all have three DPs. They all have three DPs. They do have three DPs. Maybe that hurts you in the regular season where you're not going to steamroll teams with three players killing everybody. But when push comes to shove and you've cycled through a million rotations through the season, who's going to be better than you in the playoffs? So, squad. Uh, I wouldn't be me if I didn't say my word was weird. Uh, uh, it's been an perfect. Extre- extremely weird day. It's been an extremely weird playoff run. It's been an extremely weird uh, season, and this has been an extremely weird podcast. Um, I just want to remind you that your 2019 Seattle freaking Sounders are MLS Cup champions, and you'll have that for the rest of your lives. Remember that. You have that for the rest of your lives. This has been the Sound at Heart podcast. I've been Mark. That's Casey. That's Jeremiah. And uh, we'll talk again soon.